Firstly, introductions all around. My name is Dragon Wolf Dolphin, musician, pre-vet student, and delphinic zoophile. People are often wondering just what the hell zoophilia is. Zoophilia is best described as a love of animals so intimate that the person and the animal involved have no objections to expressing their affection for each other in a sexual fashion. This is not to be confused with bestiality, where a person forcefully mates an animal without their consent and with no mutual feelings whatsoever. This is something that I would never do to a dolphin, since I love them dearly and treat them with the same respect that an honest husband would have for his wife and children. Dolphins are very intelligent, highly emotional, and expressive creatures. They enjoy the company of humans, and if a relationship develops between a human and a dolphin, as has happened with me, they will, on occasion, wish to express their trust and affection for you in the most direct way, through mating or sex play. You see, dolphins do not use sex purely for procreative reasons. They use it as a way of strengthening the bonds between pod mates, mothers and calves included, and also for fun. Dolphins and humans share this common trait with very few other animals, so sometimes it makes me wonder, when people continue to ask me, how do you mate with a dolphin? Easy. Let the dolphin tell you. Well, I'm here with my co-host, Jonathan, to shed some light on the subject. Jonathan? Uh, <laughs> 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 what? What? Well? Uh... Well, well, uh, the Yerky Boys. <laughs> the Yerky Boys. Shine and strengthen Candrona and all that. <laughs> Did I? How, was the timing good on that one? I think that one was perfect. Do you remember um, the website dolphinsex.org? <laughs> I, can I not answer the question? That's fine. That's fine. I just <laughs> thought uh, you might be interested in knowing where I got that little snippet from there. Now, well, we've officially peaked as a podcast. It's not going to, if people aren't listening now, then they're not going to listen. It's true. It's, that's, that's, uh, is this, um, asking, asking for a friend? Is that website still live? Uh, it's, it's archived. You have to go to the web archive. Oh, the Wayback Machine? The Wayback Machine, yeah. No, it was uh, it was originally linked on the original Goatsy site, which is <laughs> how I first learned about it. Uh, now, for all the Zoomers out there who don't know what Goatsy is, you can Google <laughs> right. that, right? And you'll I'd figure that out. Googling it. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, um, it's I okay. I wasn't briefed on this, but it's it's thematic, <laughs> and I I like that you, you you really kicked things off with a bang. Thank you. So that's great. I knew you'd uh, appreciate it. Um, and and uh, and 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 you're also Will. I'm also Will. I'm not a Dragon Wolf Dolphin. <laughs> yeah, little little surprise for the listeners. Gotcha. <laughs> and this is the uh, the podcast where we talk about Animorphs books. Right, just to right. reiterate. Yes, we talk about Animorphs books. Uh, this is book four, The Message, uh, and Cassie turns into a dolphin on the cover of this one. Thus, wow, wow, yeah, no, yeah, thus, thus the dolphin, right, thus the dolphin right. sex, right? Which I'm sure will come up again as we as we get further into the book. <laughs> it uh, might. Hard to follow up on that, but I I got to tell you, I'm uh, I'm feeling a bit like Cassie over here. Are you now? Yeah, I'm feeling a bit like Cassie because uh, I'm I house sitting for my uncle who has kind of a farmish like 
farm and he's got some uh, some chickens and some cats that I'm tending to. Mm. Uh, so I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm on Cassie's Wildlife Rehabilitation Center somewhat. That's pretty but cool. Part of the reason I mentioned that is because uh, w- one of the cats here is a little old and uh, a little bit ornery. And there's a non-zero chance that at some point during the podcast, he might start yowling like and sounding like a dying animal <laughs> loudly and abrasively right and so jonathan so, will have to go and shove a pill down its throat while wearing leather work gloves out in the barn i, I don't know if it's if it's gonna happen or what we will do if it does but i thought i'd give the warning now okay so he's but, not torturing cats over there just to... yes it's not that's not what's happening i'm tending to sick and wounded hawks and ospreys mm-hmm. and Whatever other weird animal Cassie always seems to have yeah. six of in her barn. <laughs> You're a hero to the animal kingdom. So with with that said, I mean, I don't know how this podcast continues, but presumably we start talking about the book. Yeah, I guess so. I do actually have one. Uh, I guess I don't know if it's a correction, but I have one follow up on something from last episode. OK, uh, which is that. Uh, with regard to the question, are there Jewish anamorphs? <laughs> I Don't. have, yeah, yeah. No, no, go, go on. I have received information that Rachel uh, is Jewish. Now, I don't remember this, um, but apparently it comes up in one of the Megamorphs books. And that means that Jake is also potentially ethnically Jewish, not like matrilinearly. So I don't know if. Uh, it depends on how you want to define it. Um, but also Jake's last name will get revealed and I did not know, but apparently it is a Jewish last name. So there are, there is wow. Jewish representation in Animorphs, uh, I am told. Wow. I mean, the, Rachel and Jake are funny because they are like definitely Rachel and Jacob are very Jewish names, but they're also mm-hmm. names that like everybody has. Right, <laughs> so right. it's not like uh, Moses or something. <laughs> uh but okay all right uh, sure i i look yeah. forward to their bar bot mitzvahs <laughs> which must yeah, be happening. maybe they might have happened right before the series started they, they are 13 yeah. right yes that that is about right so yeah so it must they they're men and women in the eyes of the jewish law well. which is nice Cool. So they're not child soldiers. They're they're full of yeah. here. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, yeah. now can we start the book? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, just to start off with, so I mentioned briefly on the um, on the introduction podcast. I believe this is the first book I ever read. Um, in and... your life, <laughs> the first Animorphs book I ever read in my life. Okay. Okay. Not the first book, but uh, yeah, I I borrowed it from a friend who was at summer camp with me. Uh, I think I was definitely intrigued by the cover because I was really into fish and ocean stuff. So you got the dolphin. So yeah. a lot of the things when I read it, 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 it'll be like, oh, well, this was the first instance of this I ever saw. This was the first instance of that I ever saw. Uh, wow. It's got that kind. Yeah. It's not a bad uh, it's not a bad book to start with. No, not at all. I actually rereading it now. I think it's it's shockingly well written uh, by <laughs> what I thought. 
it definitely, I mean, the writing in the series devolves as we get into the ghost writing books, but I feel like this is much better written than the first three as well. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would say they maybe steadily get better. I, I don't know that I felt like a marked difference in my mind, but maybe I wasn't mm. paying close enough attention. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I did. I did really like the Tobias uh, book, which was all like a very different yes. style, also in terms of the writing. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. But, so we've got this. Uh, that's exciting. We've got this cover with Cassie turning into a dolphin. Indeed. Now, did did your version when you first read it also have a contest on the cover? It did. I had to replace that, and the version I have now does not. But the version I had had a contest, and I remember being really excited by that contest, even though it had already concluded, and the people were already on the cover by the time I had read the book. <laughs> yeah, I was well, a little that's, disappointed that's a when I figured that out. <laughs> well, this is the Picture Yourself Morphed contest, where you had to write in, uh, I, I found, and say which animal you would want to morph into. And if you won... You got to, there were a few books later where they actually took pictures of these kids and turned them into those animals. Yeah, like, uh, I think one of them isn't, the only one I remember is 10 was one of them. It was on Seropedia. I think one of the Megamorphs maybe and the 14 or something. I don't remember which one the other gotcha. one was. But, um, if it is now, 10, then somebody wanted to turn into a uh, tarantula, which is a little odd. Well, no, I think they were separate, like in the back of the book. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah, because they have to have the right model. All right. This this raises the question: which which animal would you want to turn into? We haven't covered this. We haven't covered our personal. What's yeah. your dream morph? Yeah, possum. <laughs> why? But but why would you turn into a possum? We won't even know the difference. Uh, 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 <laughs> you got Marcoed, bitch. I did. <laughs> What about you? Um, what animal? Oh, uh, probably a lizard, because so I can eat a spider. <laughs> um, That's very you. I don't know. I don't know. A cat. <laughs> they made cats sound pretty good. I don't really want to be any. I guess anything that can fly. That's the one animal that's like, well, I'll let you actually experience something you can't really experience as a human to, to yeah. any extent. They do really play up the flying in these books. They make you want to fly for sure. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't? It's like that's the dream, right? Every everybody wants to fly. Like it's like, oh, I like kangaroos, but you know, it's not going to be when you hop around for a little while, you're going to get bored. You know, <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. Well, they they're good at fighting too. I think like they beat each other up or something. Oh yeah, no, kangaroos are jacked, and I'm not yeah. just talking about kangaroo yeah. jack. <laughs> right. I'm talking about all of them. This contest, by the way, reminds me of <laughs> this. It's got to be another long episode, folks. Just strap in. Uh, this reminds me of you know the Artemis Fowl books. You know mm -hmm. those books. Of course. Did, did you read those? I uh, I read the first like two or three, but I don't. Yeah. I know there were a lot. I thought they were only like six or seven, maybe. I don't think there were that many. Hmm. However but, uh, many there were, I did not get that far into reading them. But I do. I reread the first one at least enough times to remember it fairly well. Yeah, so that's pretty much the same with me. Uh, but I remember there in the first Artemis Fowl book, the first one, there was a contest. Maybe it was the second one. I don't remember. <laughs> I think it was the first one. There was a contest in it to be an extra in the Artemis Fowl movie. <laughs> and I remember at, at the time being like, 
wow, that's so cool. They're making a movie of this. Oh, I'd love to win this contest. I don't remember how you entered. Of course, that movie never got made until they finally made one, like, literally 20 years later. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, well, but what, what a, a punishment. <laughs> yeah, I I somehow doubt that that contest was honored from 1997 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I demand... But... To be in this movie i won the contest <laughs> that's how they cast artemis fowl that's <laughs> that's who that kid was anyway there's some good uh there's a good quote on on the inside of this book but i don't know there sure. is it says uh it says cassie's acting a little fishy <laughs> except except you know mm-hmm. dolphins right. are mammals yeah. i don't think i I noted in this book, I don't think Cassie ever says, actually, dolphins are mammals, Marco, even though that's totally <laughs> exactly what she would do. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a missed opportunity on Cassie's part. It is. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. All right. Yeah, I, the, I, I'm reading the other one, too, the sometimes you have to change a little more than your mind. And I'm wondering <laughs> if they ever get, uh, like, a more than meets the eye Transformers quote on these. <laughs> Every every front cover quote so far has just been some. I'm waiting for. Uh, do you want your change? Like they're all just <laughs> the the dumbest, most meaningless puns on like the word change. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> hey, if you were an animal, wouldn't that be different? That's it what would. that's my pitch for the next book. All right. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a good cover. I can see why you like it. It is. It is. I did like it a lot. And Cassie looks uh, quite stunning in her little second. <laughs> second yeah, that's stage half that is the weirdest, most unpleasant <laughs> one. <laughs> As I think that's maybe always going to be the case. That's probably true. It's too the, human. It's the uncanny valley. Yeah, it's weird. It's very yeah. weird. I don't know that this is, I guess this is a fairly accurate representation of what it looks like when someone morphs based on their descriptions. Yeah, like, I mean, it's a little all at once. Like in the books, yeah. things will happen sometimes out of order, but it is supposed to be horrifying and gross. <laughs> right. right, yeah, it wouldn't. it doesn't happen this smoothly, unless maybe later when they are better at it. I don't think they ever get better at it. Well, Cassie's, Cassie's real good at it. Yeah, I don't know that she... <laughs> there are I don't um trying to remember the word, but there are performers on the Andalite world who like morph as performance art. And I don't think Cassie ever practices this, but uh like she <laughs> she clearly has the talent. I I think Estrine is the word for someone with a talent for morphing, but Sure. We'll see. Well we'll the, find the, out. Cassie's morphing is relevant to our the beginning of our book, so why don't we It go is. There? It is. Uh, so, so we open up, Cassie can't sleep. She's been having strange dreams about the ocean. Uh, and she's been having a problem where some kind of animal has been getting into the wildlife rehabilitation clinic and it's been killing the birds. Uh, so she goes out to the barn in the middle of the night to morph a squirrel to see if she can't catch this mystery badger or fox or whatever it is. Um, she morphs into the squirrel. Uh, the original squirrel's name is Megilla, by the way. I'm just going to point that out now. Uh, <laughs> Tobias shows up in the barn in the middle of the night as well. Um, he actually thinks about eating her uh, at first. Seems a little rude. But 
the animal <laughs> does show up. It's a fox. Uh, Tobias chases it out and uh, she morphs back and she and Tobias have a conversation and realize that they've, the reason they're both up here in the middle of the night is that they've been having the exact same dreams about the ocean and about a voice calling to them from beneath the waves. So this is our intro. We get our nice using our morph for personal reasons scene. We get our nice little hook into the story. Yeah. Um, Cassie's really good at morphing because she's a huge nerd. Yes. Um, and every in all the books before this, everyone kept remarking on like, oh, Cassie's so good at morphing, you know, and this this book, it's like, oh, now we're Cassie. You get a little bit of insight into into how she's so good at morphing. And it turns out because before she morphs, she thinks about what it's like to be that animal. <laughs> that's her. That's her secret trick. <laughs> this kind of feels like the 115 year old whose secret to longevity is they eat a mango every day or something. Like, I don't, I don't know that Cassie's a reliable, <laughs> she's just good at it. She can empathize with the animal better. Mm, it's an innate something. ability that she maybe herself doesn't fully understand. Yeah. Something that, like this. That, that, that could be true. I, I like the squirrel stuff. It's funny that the squirrel is, you know, it's doing the like, ah, I'm a squirrel. Like that's, that's how all squirrels are characterized in media. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's like over a full page of just the squirrel, her, her squirrel brain going, ah, predators. Ooh, a nut. Ah, what's that? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and again, this is my first uh, morph that I ever read. Wow. So, so just seeing all the squirrel thoughts coming down. That's Diving my intro right to being in the it. head of the animal. That is wild. A good, a good intro. It, is. Uh, I, it did make me want like a Mirror's Edge style video game where you're a little squirrel doing parkour. Because that, you know, I, I the way they described it, I was like, yeah, squirrels are little acrobats. They're jumping through the trees like Tarzan and stuff. That's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you think that's fun? I do think that's fun. Uh, yeah, I'm she does a run straight up in this one. Oh, yeah, she does like a like up the beam, you know, like Trinity. Yes, like Trinity. <laughs> Little acrobat squirrels. Mm, these ki these kids definitely Marco would have referenced the Matrix if it was out at this point. Uh, wouldn't have been out at this point. Yeah, well, that's that's what I'm saying. If it were, he would have. That's true. I, they should. Did they re? They, I mean, they rewrote this book, right? Do you have the yeah, list of changes? I, I, I did I did glance at it. There's no there's, they did not add the matrix to this. That's book, too I'm bad. <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm still uh, one thing about this scene. I'm still a little unclear about why Tobias actually was there. Um, there was a there was like a a point where he he makes a joke about that he was looking for barbecue. I don't like, which I don't, I'm not sure what that means. It seems like he was just hunting, but why specifically yeah. would he come to hunt in Cassie's barn? It does seem rather rude to hunt in Cassie's barn, right? Like if the squirrel, <laughs> even if the squirrel's not in the cage, it just, you could go hunt something in a field. How do you know they didn't get out? It just seems wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's being weird. a bad friend kind of. <laughs> and it's, this is really like a full 180 from the previous book. Where, you know, he was fighting so hard against his hawk instincts. And, and now he's just like, nah, I'm out here. I'm eating squirrels. Yeah. This is the life now. Yeah. No, Tobias is is fully in into hawk life now. He lives as a hawk. That's just how it is. Um, he's done <laughs> fighting it. He's not going to be a human. And that's that's kind of going to continue. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what? That's fine. We we like we had that book. It's cool. He's he's embraced it now. We can move on. That's fine. We, past yeah, it. we can. Uh, there's also a scene in this part where Cassie's dad walks in on her. Uh, right, her, right. Yeah, I remember as a child quite vividly because he almost catches her in morph uh, because she still has her squirrel tail. Um, and he, <laughs> he asks her to turn around and she manages to sloop it back in just in time. And he chalks <laughs> it up to being sleepy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a classic Three's Company style uh <laughs> like wacky hiding the secret thing scene what's that behind your back uh nothing it's a good thing she's so good at morphing what would his reaction really be if he saw her with a big squirrel tail like he'd just be like oh you're like wearing a costume or something my daughter's a furry turns out oh i guess we don't know he he could be a controller who knows (laughs) that's true we do not know you can't be too careful uh, yeah, these, I mean, these kids are all definitely furries. <laughs> There's no, <laughs> I don't think you get the power to turn into animals without it affecting, especially at, at, when you're a teenager, like they're all a hundred percent furries. <laughs> Got it. I wonder, I wonder what the overlap between furries and the Animorphs, uh, fandom is. It's, it's not zero. Yeah. <laughs> There's. There's a Venn diagram there and yeah, it's, it's got some in it. Yeah. At any rate, oh, oh, I oh, did yes? want to I did want to point out here there the differences, because last time you were talking about a hawk fighting a raccoon. And here <laughs> we get Tobias goes after a fox. Huh. I, I do think this is a little more of a reasonable fight in a way, because even though a fox is tougher than a raccoon, foxes are much more skittish. A raccoon is absolutely going to fight back if you go for it, whereas a fox is much more likely to run away if it has the opportunity. Raccoons are stubborn little bastards. So I think, I I don't think it's, I I took note of that discrepancy, but I don't think it's quite as much of one as it could be here. Mm, Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he's a human. He can make that assessment in the way a hawk couldn't. So, Yeah, I guess I'd rather fight a fox than a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's fox, protecting its babies. At least if a fox sneaks into your house, it will leave when you come running at it yelling. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Foxes make weird sounds. They do. They like scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> and They're... I've, well, so, well, I just was going to say sometimes they also say stuff like. That's true. Whatever. Okay. They do say that kind of thing. Yeah, we got foxes out in the greenway behind my house, so I do hear them occasionally at night. What the hell is a greenway? <laughs> this isn't it's the time like, for this. <laughs> it's like a power lines going through there, so it's all overgrown and all that kind of thing. Boy, no development. Right. Animals okay. live out there. All right. Okay. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> well. They what ends up happening, they all meet up to talk about these dreams. They all meet up in Rachel's room. Uh, It turns out only Cassie and Tobias are having these dreams. Marco and Rachel are pretty skeptical if they mean anything or whatever. But Jake uh, has taped a segment of the news that he thinks might be relevant um, because it turns out that pieces of metal have washed up on the beach and they have strange alien-looking writing on them, and Jake recognizes it as the same writing that was in the Andalite ship that Elfangor had when Jake went in to get the cube. 
as they see this story, both Tobias and Cassie fall unconscious and slip into this hallucination where they once again hear the voice calling out to them. And it says, if you can hear me, come. Uh, they're convinced it's an Andalite voice and they all decide that they need to go rescue this Andalite. So we got another great series of character moments. This chapter is sort of my, again, all these are my introduction things to concepts. This is my intro chapter to all of the characters and their dynamic. Um, mm. I quite like it too. I think we need a, like a machete cut of Animorphs. It's the dog times cut. And you start with this book. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> I see the problem is I wouldn't be able to tell you what order I read the first 20 in. I just know it was out of order. People, people, people know your Twitter handle. So it's not because I, I just said dog times instinctively. That's true. <laughs> even, though, even though we introduced you as will at the top. People know your Twitter handle is dog time. So it's not so weird that I said that, um, but it is still very weird. Yeah. There's some, there's some good character stuff. I, I like imagining like, especially I wonder if it was weirder for you as your first book, but for book four, I had to step back for a second and consider how weird it is that these kids are just hanging out, playing video games, watching TV. And just also there's a hawk. <laughs> Just like in the living room, just like chilling with them. It's very funny to picture. I think when I first uh, read this book, I didn't know what a red-tailed hawk was. And I imagined Tobias is looking like, um, what's his name from Aladdin? Because that's a red bird who talks. <laughs> Iago. Yeah, Iago. <laughs> Uh, okay sure <laughs> a different image than i have now <laughs> now that's the fan fiction i want <laughs> cassie <laughs> sorry that's the best i can do it's the best i have <laughs> it was Rest very good thank you thank You're you very welcome. much um <laughs> what i want to know uh, you mentioned the andalite alphabet do we know yes. what that is is there a visual interpretation of that do we do we have I... that somewhere don't recall ever seeing any Andalite letters. Yeah, they don't even, maybe in the first book they describe it a little, but. I wonder if it's in the TV show. Or the comic, maybe? Mmm. I don't, oh, you can you, I hear meowing. an ordinary cat. Yeah, so this may, he may stop or he may do this for 20 minutes. If it gets bad, I'll stop and <laughs> stop recording and we'll figure well, that out. Well, he seems to be done for now, so. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's like fluffy mckitters over there um, yeah yeah fluffer mckitty that's what it is uh now there's a, there's also another passage here that i i want to highlight when you know they're doing their usual thing of being like oh that's marco he's this that's rachel she's mm -hmm. that just to catch everybody up yeah yeah and of course cassie describes jake and you know cassie's got a she's got a thing for they've got a thing for each other right uh, she says i really like jake you know as in like mm -hmm. um although she does say marco is kind of cute too but not her type yeah girls, <laughs> but he, girls she, think marco's cute she compliments his amazing eyelashes yeah she would love <laughs> to have them herself she says <laughs> but the part i was focusing on is uh so far like in all these books it feels like there's been a part where they talk about jake as their leader and uh, Cassie here says he's sort of our quote in quotes leader, although he's not bossy in any way. What is it feels like they're all like embarrassed that he's their leader or something like everybody keeps saying it, but none of them 
understand why they keep saying it. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. It's he's the leader because that's his job. But we're we're not sure why. <laughs> it's I don't, yeah. it feels very weird to me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean Jake himself feels that way about it too. And uh, we're gonna lead into a running gag about that at the very very end of this book. <laughs> okay. All Which, right. I mean, I'm sure you remember it, right? You've got well, whatever. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Don't spoil it for me. I I forget these things. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's I get to experience it all over again. I I forget everything that happened that's, two that's days after I read it. Best part of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Experiencing it along. Uh, I I really like uh, also with character descriptions. I have a little passage here too. When she's describing all the characters, she says. Marco is never happy unless he's complaining about something, just like Rachel is never happy unless she has something to fight against. And Tobias is never happy, period. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's a good good. description. This, again, are you sure you're not just Marco? (laughs) No, every book I'm more and more convinced I'm Marco. (laughs) I do you, I don't, you remember in the first book episode, I the first thing I said was that the cover of the book was quote insane. Like, I, I, I said that I, I do remember that before I knew that was his thing. It's, it's my thing. Um, it is. so as you said, Cassie passes out, uh, right. Just Cassie or, or Tobias Cassie too. and Tobias both pass out. Yeah. Yeah. They, this made me realize now I know they have this like farm as kind of a base, but these kids need like, uh, you know, like a classic and all the crime shows like on Breaking Bad, I feel like had this. There's like a vet who does like back like when when somebody gets shot, but they don't want to go to the hospital. They go to the secret veterinarian who's like patches them up first for a little bit of money. That's what they, they need. Somebody like that. It's legitimately Cassie. That's the best they got. Cassie yeah. serves She's not repairing function. bullet wounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, they... Well, I mean, that that kind of comes up later in this book that uh, they, they all kind of turn to Cassie when there's grievous injury. But yeah, for the most part, they just morph around their injuries. Although we will see come book 29, Cassie step into that role a little bit more for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, <Hello>. hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they uh, don't get injured too, uh, too grievously uh, going forward. All right. So. So then everybody has another good dream and we get to move on with the plot. Indeed we do. Uh, they Well, <laughs> I don't know if they have a good dream, but they... I they, thought it was good. Okay. As long as <laughs> as long as you think it's good. <laughs> Definitely a bit of a spooky thing with them passing out, but whatever. They all decide they have to go rescue this Andalite or whatever it is. It's probably an Andalite. So they decide they're they are going to go down to the beach to, I guess, see if maybe they feel something more when they're down at the beach. I'm not quite sure what the reasoning there is, but I guess they didn't really have any leads. Um, but as they go down to the beach, they, they're they out there at night and they see that a group of sharing members are there. And uh, both Tom and Chapman are there searching. So they go hide in the dunes and they overhear them talking uh, Visser 3 has also been getting visions, just like Cassie and Tobias, about mm. this. So they know that there's some kind of Andalite or something going on out in the water. Uh, mm. But as they're searching, the controllers find their footprints in the sand. And uh, they start 
they start following them and chasing them and they can't really morph because then they leave changing footprints. So they all run out into the ocean and morph trout. Uh, as they're running out to the ocean, they're actually getting shot at. The controllers see human kids running and they shoot at them with regular guns. Um, but they go into the ocean, they morph trout and they swim away. Um, but the controllers do find their clothes in the surf. And there is a question uh, of if Visser 3 is wrong and they might actually uh, be humans. Yeah. Now, we don't see this brought up too much in here uh, in the series, but this is the first time we see it really hinted at that people might suspect them. Um, Which feels like, you know, they should. <laughs> they should. Although Chapman has a whole thing where he says, well, you know, uh, Visser 3 thinks they're Andalites. And I'm not about to go tell Visser 3 that he's wrong, because what if he eats me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, you know, that and it is he is, like you said, in the other book, very Darth Vader. Yeah, it is that although in the original Star Wars, there's the one guy who's like, the force is stupid. <laughs> it's like, why would you say that to him, dude? He like murders everybody. I don't know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, that's a good that's a good little line. That's a good part. Yeah, I do like that. And and again, we'll see Visser 3 has a weird, I, I don't even, I kind of almost want to call it a personality disorder, but he is just extremely <laughs> overly obsessed with Andalites. Uh, it, it, the more we learn about his character, the more it does make sense that he just isn't, he wants them to be Andalite bandits. He wants to fight mm. some Andalites for sure. Yeah, he hates them. He hates them. Yeah. Uh, Tom must be, it seems from this a pretty high ranking member of, of the sharing to be like involved in this search. Yeah. Yeah. His Yerk is pretty high, uh, ranking and that'll be something we'll see a little bit more about what position he might have specifically in book six coming up. So, um, but we will, we will see more going on with that. Yeah. So that's, so that's interesting to be like, he's not just some, some dude who's although he oh i was gonna say he joined relatively recently but i'm like wait it doesn't <laughs> that doesn't matter because the yerk is not yeah. right right the yerk <laughs> might have passed around from from different people i it is interesting that they it, it feels like the yerk must be moving up through through oh, the ranks really? right now be, yeah because uh if he were already high ranking it does make sense they wouldn't have put him in tom tom's just some kid right i, I don't think mm. they would have maybe yeah, I don't know. I, I was, I guess I was, I guess that makes sense. I, but I was like, oh, maybe they don't really care. It's just like, we just need a body and you're an important mm -hmm. yerk and just go in a body. But I guess you're right. Like he doesn't even have his own house. Like there's no like yeah. autonomy there. <laughs> there will be more details surrounding that. So we can keep an eye on that when it comes up. Okay. Okay. There's a, there's a line where they, Cassie says the sharing is very subtle, of course, which, you know, <laughs> I said, are they? Are they the sharing? Yeah, they're very subtle. Yeah, the sharing. They're a little they're a little cultish. Sure. Um and uh I gotta say the the concept of being a freshwater fish in salt water seems really uncomfortable. That seems bad. Yeah, uh, they do describe it as like burning all over their skin and in their gills. Yeah, but, that's rough. That's yeah. that's kind of uncomfortable. That made me uncomfortable. I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I, <laughs> What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, I, I do want to highlight uh, a little conversation that Marco and Jake have where Marco 
is uh, upset about dying before he can even get his driver's license. <laughs> Jake says, Jake says, Marky, you can turn into a bird and fly. You could do it right now. Why would you care about driving a car a few years from now? And Marco, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of course, says, the babes, you can't pick up chicks when you're a bird. <laughs> yeah, so true. The babes, man. The babes. Babe. I don't know. Tobias seems to be picking up a chick as a bird. Yeah, you just got to find the freaky chicks. <laughs> Beg to differ here. I mean, yeah. this is this is pre-Twilight. Like, this is really... I feel like there's plenty of of chicks who are into the. I mean, Tobias is basically like it's Angel from Buffy. It's uh, any of these like tortured souls of mm-hmm. you know whether they're teenagers or whatever who are like trapped in some horrible. I don't know, even like the Beast from Beauty and the Beast. You know, this is a this is a thing. This is an established thing that babes dig. I think. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this this he's a bird though. Like there's a difference between the beast who's vaguely humanoid and all, all these other things. There there's some there's some sense of you know bipedal anatomy on most of these other <laughs> things. Tobias is just a bird. Yeah, I mean I guess it's not like as sexy as a vampire. <laughs> but man, you know, teach yeah. their own. Yeah, whatever Rachel is into. She's into some shit. That's all we know um indeed yeah i, I okay. think tobias and marco also have in these first couple chapters a, a little bit of banter between them like it seems like you know in the early books marco is extremely mean to tobias and tobias has a, the thing where he's like i don't know if i'll ever be close but he, i think there's sort of there's some kind of bonding going in there and that tobias is is coping by making jokes and marco digs that he gets it yeah 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 yeah. no yeah i, I like that the, the, the they're buds they're yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some there's some joke where Marco's like, uh, "Do you poop while flying?" Tobias, yeah, it depends on who's below me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which was my question in the last book too. So, oh, yeah, it was. Know. Yeah, <laughs> so, is he or just Marco? Is the... <laughs> <laughs> once again? I mean, he's really he's the stand-in for me. <laughs> Kay Applegate <laughs> wrote that part, knowing I would yeah. read it. Yeah, you've evolved into a better Marco than I have. <laughs> I did my best, but yeah, there was a, there was a branching path somewhere along the way. Um, now I don't know if I, I feel like this is a little after that scene, but then they, they kind of just before the next event happens, they sort of just go about their lives for a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're, they end up waiting around for a bit before uh, they do anything because everyone's kind of waiting for Cassie to say, should we go forward or should we not? Cause she's the only one who Tobias had these dreams, but he can't really do oceans and nobody else had the dreams. So everyone's kind of thinking, Cassie, are you going to make a decision or what? Jake eventually comes by and has a conversation with her about it. And they decide that they are going to go out uh, and do this. And their plan is they're going to go morph dolphins. So they go to the gardens and acquire some dolphins there. The trainer lets them just come up and feed and pet them because she knows Cassie. So that's easy. Um, so that's, that's our setup. We're morphing dolphins. Uh, and it's also the first time that we see Cassie bring up the question of, uh, the ethics of morphing an intelligent animal, which is, this (laughs) is a running theme throughout the the books. Oh, is it? Okay. Yes. Yes. You'll see a lot of this. Well, I, I, I want to talk about that. um, Absolutely. In a second. Yeah, Um, Yeah. 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 
uh, the, there was one thing I thought was that we do find out that um, Rachel's mom is a lawyer. I don't know if we knew that before. We did know that. Okay, we did. Then I just forgot it. But she's a really good lawyer. She's got a yes. Lawyer of the Year award. She did get the Lawyer of the Year award. I have that written down here, too. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I like that Cassie says, oh, since it's a dinner, that means for Rachel, that's major shopping for new everything. <laughs> major shopping. That's how they talked in the 90s. I, I like the I do kind of like Rachel's character that she's like she she in, in other books, she could have just been the Valley Girl character. But yeah. she kind of like is that and also something else. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like that. That's Yeah. They, they don't even just um like fully subvert it by saying, oh, you think she's the Valley Girl, but she's also the the warrior. No, no, no. She's also the Valley Girl. She's both of them. Yeah, he does love shopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good. Yeah, I like that. It's not like yeah. you don't have to choose one or the other. You can you can be yeah. a badass and and love doobie and doobie shopping at the same time. That's true. Yeah, no, they and, actually I like earlier. They even have a little juxtaposition with her room being all like neat and orderly and, and stereotypical. But and she's got like post-it notes where you would put all the like little quotes uh that motivate you only rachel's oh. quotes are like sun zoo and and that sort of thing <laughs> i did yeah. highlight one of those War. quotes i lost it now but it yeah it was a it was a good weird quote there was um, the classic one and then there was um don't think there are no crocodiles just because the water is calm that was Malayan it. proverb yeah. yeah pretty good you go about in pity for yourself that's a sopranos reference don't worry about it. Um, I won't. <laughs> I, I do think Rachel, I had a funny joke and I, now I don't remember it. Sorry. Mm. You got to write down your jokes when you have them or you'll forget. Come well, I mean, I them. literally just thought of it like just now. Oh, okay. You got to write down yeah. your jokes when you think of them. <laughs> You're right. Um, but I want, so then there's another part. This is all pre-Dolphin uh, planning too still uh but there's a part where tobias visits cassie and sh and he gets mad at her because she's saving a golden eagle and apparently <laughs> golden eagles eat hawks yeah earlier on earlier on uh he's like well i suppose i can't be too upset at you for wanting to save some birds when the hawk uh, when the fox is in the barn so make up your mind tobias <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's this is a strange dynamic. I don't understand. <laughs> Tobias is like, I love people who save birds. I hate these birds because I'm a hawk. Like, like it's it almost feels like he's like a, a Mets fan. They're a Yankees fan. Like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe you'd hang out with that guy. The bird racist. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 I mean, it's funny. But. I mean, this is Tobias really does. He is about the bird life. He has opinions on all the different kinds of animals, <laughs> like strong ones that a, a person probably wouldn't have. Tobias is not to, you know, I, I, once again, another meme reference Tobias is in the corner at the party like they don't know golden hawks or dicks or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know the meme. You know the meme. When, when we, when if we ever make a official Yorky Boys Twitter, we'll post all these memes there. That's yes, yes. You know what? We're committed to it now because these memes need to exist. That's yeah. <laughs> um, this, this, <laughs> you it can was make around, them. Okay, well, it was around this part of the book that I really uh, it started to gel for me that Cassie really is your type. <laughs> <laughs> keep talking about how she's just like dirty and like wearing plain clothes right and right right keep it un unwashed yeah <laughs> yeah yeah this 
yeah, <laughs> it's possible this was formative to me as a as a young lad. Yes, and it is to be clear. What it's a little awkward. The whole it, it's always a, a little awkward to be talking about because there's like romance in these books and yeah. stuff. But you know, they're like they're like little kids, so I, I feel like there's something it's in, it's like innately. Yeah, there's something like because inevitably with a fandom you get shipping and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like the books almost encourage that. Like it makes sense yeah. kind of, but there is a part where you have to go like, ah, oh, these are like children. It's like, yeah. there's a, there's a line you can't cross there. Somewhere. It's, I don't it's know. interesting because, uh, when I, I, it doesn't feel that way to me because when I was really into the books, I right. was younger than the characters in the books. So it, it right. feels like, Oh yeah, I could have gone on for like a good 10 years writing fan fiction about these characters without it being creepy. <laughs> like if I yeah. went and did it today, it would, it would feel a little bit weird, but <laughs> yeah. you know, because I'm always reflecting back to that time, it, it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. That's, it's true. There's, there's definitely a weird, uh, dynamic. Yeah. There. You're the creepy weirdo for reading them in your 30s. I don't know why you're doing this. You're <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. You're right, and you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a part here where uh, Cassie mentions that her farm had been in her family since the Civil War. That's true. And uh, I don't know. That just seems a little awkward. What with the whole Civil War <laughs> slavery thing as an issue. It kind of but, reminded me of the like legacy um, black family in uh, Stephen King's It, but I didn't remember enough details to draw real parallels there. Was that like I, like, um, like I wonder if there were issues uh, surrounding you know a, a, a black family who had land ownership in the past? I'm sure Cassie's great grandmother, whoever would could answer these questions and talk to me uh, for hours about it, but. Yeah, maybe maybe at Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which apparently Jake went to Cassie's for Thanksgiving at one point. Yeah, also. Cassie's family knows Jake. But like, where was Jake's family? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, oh, that's interesting. They're they're very close, I guess. All right, so now we get into all this Cassie uh, moralizing questions. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, uh, is Cassie a vegetarian? First of all, she's got to be, right? I don't think she is. <laughs> okay, so that really makes this <laughs> hypocritical. She really like. should be. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're unwilling to turn into one, you shouldn't eat one either. I, mean, I guess I mean, you wouldn't eat. She's not dolphin. eating dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I uh, it's it, this is one of these things. As a kid, I thought this was the stupidest thing in the world because it's just like you turn into an animal. It's not the same thing as controlling an animal. Dumbass. Okay, well, as a as an adult who thinks mm-hmm. this is the stupidest thing in the world, mm-hmm. explain to me why now your mind has changed. <laughs> uh, I or it's only a very a... recent thing that I've been thinking about because even rereading these in my twenties, I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world. But I, I think there's something here, um, which is, you know, when you morph the animal, you've created this whole animal, um, this artificial construct of an animal but you have created its brain and and we know that they have their instincts and all of that which means that if the brain is capable of thought how do we know that that brain isn't thinking right so there i feel like there is something there in that you've created this artificial brain for the sole purpose of of controlling it and if it's capable of thought what are the ethics of that um i, I don't know i i think there is something there and 
I don't know. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, there's no I I'm not I'm not totally sure. I I think even later in this book, Rachel or somebody says to her like, "Well, look, we're not yerks. We're not like actually controlling mm-hmm. the animal against its will. We're just taking on its appearance." I don't know. It's like is she saying it's like cultural appropriation of dolphins? Like I well, don't understand. Well, the what, objection. what what I'm saying is that the morph is it's not them. It's it's you know, they are off somewhere we can talk about the mechanics later but they're they've created this body is not their body it's something they have made it exists only for the duration of time that they're morphed it it blinks in and out of existence but while it's in existence it is potentially real and potentially thinking and they are controlling it but are you telling me that this is like uh this is like the prestige or something and like every time they morph into an animal they're creating a life and then killing it when they morph back i'm saying that i think this might be what cassie is worried about and that might be where the ethical concern comes in although maybe i'm reading too much into it because uh this didn't occur to me until very very recently like even throughout my 20s this never occurred to me so I, like if that was the intent maybe it should have been better uh put in yeah, I mean, since this was written for eight-year-olds <laughs> that that is an interesting side to it but i feel like as also has a lot to do with how morphing works exactly which is still mm-hmm. kind of unclear in some respects but yeah i, I definitely did not really yeah. get that from her it's what she never said. truly clear either like i even if you had read this full series you could probably argue with what i just said and say that's bullshit yeah and maybe but i, I think there's something there uh, and and to continue, so I don't know. That was I just felt like Cassie quit virtue signaling. Yeah, well, that's, she's gonna virtue like this a lot, and uh, Marco is gonna get pretty sick of it by the end of the series. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're Once on again. the right track here. All right, good. Keep me keep me on this path. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> along the lines still of animal morality and stuff. I guess mm-hmm. this is this is before everybody decided that SeaWorld was evil. And that also maybe also that zoos are evil. Like <laughs> we're all still cool with that right now. Yeah, I you know I don't um I don't know because this would have been post like Free Willy, right? Uh, it might have been Free Willy might have been ninety six or ninety seven. Might have been like right right, right there. The it's hard. I, I know no, it was no, right Free around Willy's... there. No, you know what? Free Willy is probably more early nineties. I thought actually. it was. or hell. I... It might even be like 89, actually. I don't know. It, yeah. it must have been. So the problem is I started reading this in elementary school, and I know that it came out no later than when I was in elementary school because my name is Will. So, of course, <laughs> if there's a popular yeah. movie called Free Willy, you're going to get called Free Willy. <laughs> it's, uh, you're, just... yeah. it's 1993. I looked it up. Okay. Okay. There you go. So. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of has a vibe of an 80s movie, though, I think. That's why I feel like mm. it feels like it could have come out like in the era of never ending story and stuff like that. Anyway. Yeah, um, but, but it is one of those things. I, I do. I do agree. You know, there's like a weird like I'm not opposed to zoos, but there is a weird line where you start getting into animals like dolphins or chimps or gorillas or or, or killer whales like uh if you were sort of following that story late uh last year with the chimps that took over the monkey house in sweden and they had like a full standoff with the police 
Um, and it ended with like three chimps dead and the, the chimp ringleader had organized several like rock throwing attacks before. And you read the stories about it and they don't read like an escaped bear, right? They read like a standoff with a revolutionary terrorist organization. Like it's too human. Like mm, there's yeah. something wrong there. <laughs> Planet of the Apes, my dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but aren't we also now getting into the territory of like, so Cassie only feels bad about doing this to intelligent animals yeah <laughs> like i mean she underneath. does this yeah like she'll this will happen she never feels bad about morphing unintelligent animals in whatever her definition of intelligence is so i don't know cassie i don't know if i'm fully on board with this one but yeah you know, well you, she you is still a kid she's doing her best to try to figure out I, this is a, a thematic thing with cassie she she does her best to try to be a moral actor uh, even when they have to do immoral things like killing. Um, Cassie's kind causes, of a Lisa Simpson. It, yeah, I guess so. It causes her to be very contradictory at times, but I do think that it kind of helps her hang on to her soul in a way. But Wow, that's it, deep. It is deep. Thank you. That's really deep. Okay, so did they get these dolphins yet? I don't remember where we're at. <laughs> yeah, they got them. They, they got them, and uh, so they have to go out and morph them. <laughs> uh, now... So, yeah, just I'm sorry, but before I know that this is we're an hour four, I think, of the podcast right now, but mm -hmm. uh, it needs to be. And and I mean, we could save it for the end, but I think we should say it now that Absolutely. these dolphins are named after the characters from Friends. I for I was going to immediately let make sure to let you say that. And somehow I forgot <laughs> that <laughs> there, although it is never explicitly stated in the book, their names are Rachel ross chandler joey phoebe monica that's right do you remember which and, one cassie morphs uh monica right yep it's monica <laughs> and yeah i want to know who who they all got i need to know i, I do I, too I, I think because marco i think should get a he's a he's kind of a chandler joey combo package <laughs> yeah he could be either he, i mean um, he and jake have to be chandler and joey <laughs> they just have the two oh yeah them. no that's true that's true. Yeah, I wasn't sure who Jake would be, but I think that's right. Yeah, the the friends don't really have a leader. <laughs> I yeah. guess. Remember, imagine if there was a friends series of books, and every every it was like, "My name is Phoebe. I can't tell you my last name. I live in a city. Which city? Uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's got a big park in it, though." <laughs> okay, <laughs> now I don't even. I don't I know think, what I'm doing. <laughs> I think Tobias is the Phoebe. Of the group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. Oh, I guess maybe Rachel is 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 Monica because she's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then Jake has to be Ross because they're cousins versus sis brother and sister. Oh, yeah, Jake's not a Ross type though. There's a lot of overlap. You know, it's hard. Yeah. Cassie's kind of a Ross type for being real. Uh, kind of. You know, she's remember. He, remember, he's a paleontologist. That's true. So he he's like a nerd who who knows about museums and stuff. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> friends, when we do our friends podcast, right? That's the follow up <laughs> to this one. Our next '90s podcast is friends. <laughs> that's what everyone's been waiting for is for <laughs> just two men to give their take on friends. That's right. That's right. Like everything Everyone else loves in the friends. world. It, nobody has changed their opinions on friends. <laughs> 
All right. I'm just keep, please just keep, tell me yeah, to shut up and keep it's going. It's time to go on. Uh, they go down to the river, a little river outlet to morph into dolphins so that they're, you know, out of the way. You know, it's shallow enough for the humans. Nobody can see them. They turn into dolphins. Um, they do actually make a note that Cassie does not encounter a conscious mind in here. So I don't know what she's so worried about. Uh, but she does feel extremely playful, like like a small kid. They all morph dolphins. They all swim out to sea to go see what they can see. Uh, and they, the, but the whole time, they never really get the playfulness of the dolphin under control. They spend like 45 minutes dicking around, jumping around, and just generally playing until Tobias has to get them back on track. <laughs> yeah, being a dolphin seems real fun, and Tobias gets to watch. Yes. Yeah, that's right. He gets a watch. He, he gets a watch now as well. Oh, watch I do. Watch. I, li- I really like anytime they accessorize Tobias. Mm. I love when he got to carry a little pouch. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. We'll keep an eye out for the Tobias accessories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now, this is actually the perfect place. Uh, looping back to dolphinsex.org uh, to meet a wild dolphin is in the in a little shallow <laughs> cove like this. They recommend specifically one and a half to two feet of water. I'm glad that you went back to this because I was also going to say uh when before they when they go to the zoo and cassie has to come up with an excuse for why they're there um she's she says uh oh we were researching dolphins on the internet so i think maybe maybe she saw that site yeah maybe she did yeah i would recommend not uh going to a zoo dolphin because you know there's like power dynamics there it's like a prison guard and a prisoner you know you've got to have a wild dolphin so they morph into these dolphins and uh, I assume that uh, this is, you know, this is this is the cover. This is the scene from the cover. And yes. and Marco's real. Uh, he's real tactful. He as she's as Cassie is morphing. Marco says, oh, man, that's definitely not attractive. <laughs> and he adds, not a good look for you, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think she remarks on that, too, where it's. um. You know, sometimes I can make morphs look pretty, but not this one. <laughs> yes, she is um, at one point armless with flippers standing 10 feet tall on human sized legs. <laughs> Are dolphins legs. that big? They're 10 feet long. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. They get I'm learning big. facts. Yeah, that's a that's a big, big dolphin, I guess. I don't know, or an average-sized dolphin. Yeah, dolphins are pretty big. Yeah, they they have a good time. Yeah, I also, you know, one of the things about dolphins and being playful, and I'm not going to critique her for making dolphins very playful all the time, because I I think they probably are, but um, dolphins are pretty fucked up and evil as far as animals go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I believe it. Dolphins are known to just like form roaming gangs and like kill other baby dolphins or like rape dolphins for fun. There was like a mystery at one point uh, around the co- one of the coasts on Europe where all these porpoises were washing up dead all of a sudden and nobody could figure out why. And people thought there must be some human intervention thing, but they realized there was just this one group of dolphins that had decided it would be a really fun game to just start killing porpoises for no reason. So all the porpoises in the area started getting killed off. Um, you know, they're, they're one of those animals that's like actually intelligent enough to be evil as opposed to just, (laughs) they did an animal thing. 
Yeah, I feel maybe the, the Yurks should form an alliance with the Dolphins. Maybe, maybe they should. Yeah, but it's all play. It's just a game to them. They're like, a, it's like how little kids will um, make drawings of like their teacher uh, getting guillotined or whatever because they don't like him. They think it's funny. They don't yeah, really they're, understand morality. Because, yeah, they're sociopaths. They don't have <laughs> That's right. a conscience at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, chimps also uh, chimps are one of the like only animals that commit like war crimes. <laughs> like they'll, like when they go to war with rival gangs, they won't just uh, beat them. They'll like, if they kill the leader, they'll like take them back to the center and like rip off their face and genitals and desecrate the body and just leave it there for a while. Uh, like they clearly they, like abstract high level conceptualization of acts of evil. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's good. I like it. Our closest relatives. Yeah, our most fuckable. Oh, the chimps. Not. I was thinking of the dolphins again. Right. I right. guess chimps are number two most yeah. fuckable. Well, what about the bonobos? Our other. Oh yeah, they just love jerking off all the time. Yeah, that that's our two. The most sexual primates and the most violent primates are our two closest. Uh, we're like right in the middle. Top. <laughs> top four most fuckable animals. <laughs> Number number four is the chimp. Mm-hmm. Number three is the bonobo. Right. Number two is dolphins. Yeah. Number one is red-tailed hawks. Oh, I thought you were going to go for a, a JRHNBR. <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what that could possibly mean. You now, abs- now don't now, try to play dumb with. Where the you can't. This is too inside info. The the listeners aren't going to like these inside references. They they're going to look that one up and they're going to find out. Well, that's that's on them to do. This is a we can't release this episode. <laughs> the, 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 we'll be arrested. Inquiring minds want to know we're we're not doing that. We just, you know, we're interested. We want to know about the full range of, of the human experience. And I mean, we're Great. not like just save this for when we're in court now. <laughs> Now, I feel like there's a recurring theme with these books that is Animorphs go to do something, mm-hmm. to do their mission, but you still have to have half a book, so something has to happen that makes them leave and then come back and try to do the exact same thing again. Yes, later. that's that's the basic structure. They they After they have their initial morph for personal reasons and then they have their get-together to figure out what to do with the hook, they have to go out and do like a scouting mission or like a first attempt at a mission without any idea of what they're doing. And then they get their shit fucked and then they have to uh, come back and do it for real. That <laughs> yeah. This is like every book. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> well, so, that's what happens. That is what happens. Uh, because as they start echolocating to find the ship, they see a bunch of sharks attacking a great one, which is, I yes. guess, the ancestral dolphin word for a whale or something because they all seem to just know what this means and it's a whale um they get unreasonably pissed off something uh, something about dolphins being the natural enemies of sharks that i think hey applegate made up uh no and it's, they, they're like uh they're like it's like west side story in the ocean they're okay <laughs> yeah okay actually think it came from somewhere else but uh anyway they they mm-hmm. fight off the sharks drive them off from the whale uh and it's pretty violent and intense and when the dust settles all the sharks have been driven off but marco is sitting there and his tail is bitten 
almost clean off. Uh, it's hanging by a few threads of flesh, and he is rapidly bleeding out and like losing consciousness. And they're in the middle of the ocean, and he can't swim. Uh, so this was my first like real graphic trauma in an animal's <laughs> book. <laughs> so not th- in real is- life. No, in in real life, I'm a safe little suburbanite who nothing truly bad has ever happened to. And I have no right to complain (laughs) because of my privilege. We'll we'll fix that by the end of the show. Okay, good. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's disturbing. Yes, it's truly disturbing the way that that it's described, like his tail hanging by threads or i mean it's 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 very it's very gross yeah and you can feel the sort of like panic and desperation in his voice uh as he's like saying like i'm gonna die and he's like pleading for help and he's like i think i'm in real bad shape because he is he's like slipping out of consciousness here Um, he also does say oh man that's a major ouchie (laughs) Mm -hmm. even even in his dying moments marco is still who he is god bless him yeah yeah it's uh it's it's pretty gross yeah it's very it was it was a little bit shocking yeah and this i mean this is one of the things that they love to do in animorphs is make the worst trauma the stuff that's just regular earth animal stuff you know, the, the epic climaxes are usually less memorable in terms of like, oh, my God, how horrible than just like, oh, there were some sharks here. We just ran into some sharks. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, this is just everyday stuff. This is real. Yeah. No, this, this happens. They, I mean, they did this earlier in the book, too, when they're getting shot at with guns and Cassie makes a mental note of just... um you know, I'm used to being shot at with laser beams and being chased after by aliens, but guns like regular guns that just people have. It's crazy. It's nuts. I think she says. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. That's right. Um, insane. Yeah. So then are we getting to the part where he's saved or that's that this is the part where he is saved? Um, I do want to mention that it it doesn't the fact that Marco can't swim here. A little weird to me. Um, his mom died in a boating accident because she had a sailboat and often went out sailing. And as I recall, Marco did go out sailing with her sometimes. So I don't know why he was never taught to swim. Um, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I mean, maybe it's I suppose the idea is that he's traumatized by the water and like yeah, avoids it. Maybe it would he... make sense that he has like ocean issues or fear or that like if he hadn't learned how to swim before he might not want to learn how to swim although they don't you would think that that would come up when he when they're going to go into the ocean but it didn't you would think that it would come up (laughs) that he would say something about that but yeah no he seemed completely fine with doing it so which is weird for him (laughs) it is weird Uh, I, i yeah i mean he's he's down to save an andalite uh he said I think even when he agreed to it, he said, I really hate to disappoint y'all, uh, but I'm coming along. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did a funny thing where he he was like, "I'm," or maybe that's later. I thought it was in the beginning. He's like, I'm yeah, in. Yeah. And they're all like, huh? And he's like, I just wanted to beat Rachel to it for once. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that is coming up. But yes, he, he's, he's a little he's a little scamp. <laughs> he sure is. But this so this this whale, this freaking whale comes this, in. This whale comes in. Um you know, everybody turns to Cassie here. Help Marco. You're the vet. She doesn't 
I mean, what's she going to do? But she says if she if he morphs human or if he morphs human and then back to the dolphin, you know, he'll be healed, I guess, hopefully, because the DNA in the morph won't whatever. Um, but Marco uh-huh. can't swim. But fortunately, the whale comes up and uh, and it holds it comes up to help them out. And Marco can sit on its back and demorph safely. Um, and fortunately, this whale is like freaking psychic. <laughs> It speaks to Cassie in whale song and it like full on, she's like bombarded with like images and sights and and thoughts. And it like is communicating to her without words. It reminds me a lot of the Tulkuns in, uh, in Avatar. Um, and it also, when she has her conversation with it, it also tells her where this Andalite ship is. So they now know. <laughs> Yeah, I did write down here. Uh, my note is good whale reminds me of Piacon. Everyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. loves Piacon. Of course, we all love Piacon. So mm-hmm. very, very, very good. They say he's a killer, but he is, in fact, a hero. A hundred percent. He can be both. Um, <laughs> and uh, all right. I mean, I, there's, I don't know where to start here, but uh, let's start with the with the demorphing thing. Mm-hmm. So once again, morphing back into a human will heal you of any injuries but not remove spiders from your stomach or bullets apparently if there's a bullet in you what are the also like is there a limb like what if what if you cut off the dolphin's head (laughs) then you (laughs) die and you can't morph back (laughs) okay i guess i'm trying to think like wolverine you know like i think technically you can like chop him up into bits and he'll still regenerate or something as long as you are alive, you can get your human body back. And then when you remorph, you will construct a new animal body from scratch out of that DNA. Okay. 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 I don't okay. know. I don't really know. It doesn't make sense in terms of things like human haircut. Do human? They don't. Humans don't keep human injuries. Like that's just canonical if you if you hurt yourself and you morphed and morphed back to humans somehow you wouldn't be injured anymore even though you do keep your haircut and your morphing outfit and <laughs> I, I like i really don't know how that works yeah they should be like completely bald every time they come back or something yeah um, i don't know wait is that true it works the other if you have a broken ankle and you morph and morph back you you're, don't have a broken ankle anymore yeah uh, yeah oh wow that's pretty good yeah, I, it it doesn't square up with any of the other things about your initial human form, but you can heal injuries. That's great. All right, now let's get on to the bigger question here. As you said, whales are psychic, apparently. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it was already a little weird, but I I liked it when the dolphins were like calling whales the great ones, mm-hmm. uh, which does you know it implies that dolphins have like a, a culture greater perhaps than they do i don't i don't know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. there's a lot of implications there that i'm not sure about but now it's just like straight up whales can can project thoughts and images into other people's heads or maybe just animals heads like up until this point anything to deal doing with animals has been fairly grounded and realistic regardless of the fact that there's aliens Mm -hmm. around but now it's like, does Kay Applegate thinks that maybe this is how whales communicate or is she just like, what's, what's going on here? I don't so, understand. So I uh, have a lot to say about this. I think that there, there is a general pop culture phenomenon in the way that we viewed, especially around this time, whales and dolphins 
And I think that you can draw, and she was influenced by it clearly. I think you can draw a direct line from Kay Applegate's portrayal of Wales here backwards to the work and cultural impact of John C. Lilly. Now, I don't know if you know who that is. Oh my is. God, what the fuck are you Do doing? Do you know who about John C. Lilly? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. So he, way back in like the 50s going into the 60s, he was a neurophysiologist with the National Institute of Medical Health. And he was one of the early pioneers of LSD experimentation. He also invented sensory deprivation chambers to learn about the unconscious mind. And he started doing these experiments on himself where he would take acid and go into a sensory deprivation chamber for like 12 hours at a time. And uh, he... And the crazy thing about this is that he started off relatively well-respected. So... Like, this is a respectable guy with actual connections to real institutions. But he became convinced that he was in contact with uh, a weird psychic galactic organization, specifically the ECCO, or the Earth Coincidence Control Office. And they convinced him to leave the National Institute of Medical Health and instead do research on communication with non-human animals, specifically dolphins. Now, ECCO, you might know Echo the Dolphin. Named, yeah, after, yeah. named after this. That's where that name comes from. Holy shit, you're blowing my mind He right now. is famous for a dolphinarium he made in which he took a dolphin and a human. He flooded a house and isolated a dolphin and a human in there and had the human attempt to, to teach the dolphin how to speak English. And the woman... <laughs> The woman, Margaret Howe, ran it. It's If you listen to the audio recordings, it's fucked up. It sounds like some abusive boarding school where, like, you know, some some indigenous child was taken from their culture and not allowed to speak their language. Because she, like, if he tries to click or whistle, she reprimands and scolds the dolphin. He has to try to imitate human speech. Uh, and he, mean, he meanwhile, uh, did his LSD meditations to try to guide these experiments from his isolation chamber. Um, it's extremely fucked up. And yes, she did end up jerking off the dolphin regularly <laughs> because this was a young adolescent dolphin and he had no other outlets for it. So it's famous for being a dolphin sex house. Um, but what makes it, I mean, what makes this particularly famous is that she notes all of this very meticulously in her journal as part of an experiment. Um, it's worth noting that John C. Lilly was close friends with Carl Sagan and Frank, J- Frank Drake from SETI, the intelligent life search guys. They mm. called themselves the Order of the Dolphins uh, here. And, and this Dolphin House experiment was partially funded by NASA. <laughs> um After the experiment was over, uh, this dolphin, who very clearly was extremely traumatized, right, taken out of his culture, stuck in this house, developed this weird sexual relationship with this woman and was like forced on these. This dolphin ended up actually killing himself um, because it turns out dolphins can breathe or only breathe consciously the way that we eat or drink. So he just swam to the bottom of an enclosure and stopped breathing after being removed from the house. and from that point on, John C. Lilly just went completely crazy, fried his brain, and uh, it totally lost all of his connections and respect and all of that. But he had a major, major influence on pop culture, right? Like all of the like crazy, weird, 
a higher frequency vibrational LSD is a gateway to whatever. Like this is all heavily influenced by his work. Oh, there were a lot of people who were influenced by his, like intrigued by this idea that you could speak to dolphins. We have work with these intelligent animals. Um, so there was real work being done by the government with this. Uh, it's directly inspiring things like Flipper. And like, I think that a lot of what she's getting at with this whale who can, you know, telepathically speak and is some highly spiritual being i think this comes in some part from lily and his work not directly but i think it comes from there if we don't win an award of some kind for this <laughs> podcast then i don't know i just don't know what justice there is in the world i I've... agree i agree with you well i i just uh i love john c lily because he's so freaking <laughs> Like, it's insane. It really is. I'm like, learning a lot. You, you start dropping names like Carl Sagan and you're like, wait a second. This isn't some fucking crazy nobody fringe guy. This is like, what the hell? <laughs> this guy's like the, I don't know. Well, at first, I don't know. It sounded like like the Mengele of dolphins, but uh, I, I guess it's a little yeah. even weirder he, than that. I mean, he loved his dolphins. That's the issue. He was just, I don't know, like really fucked up and didn't really consider how awful what he was doing to them was. But like he he would be like, yeah, I'm psychically connected to the dolphins in the sea and the aliens and we're coordinating it together. And I <laughs> it's I mean, it's shocking to me because I I did. I love John C. Lilly and uh, Boogie Nights and Magnolia <laughs> and Step Brothers. Right. <laughs> so that's it's just strange that he that they made that turn. <laughs> But thank you for the pity laugh. Um, I liked it. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that's where it comes from then. I guess that's maybe why the whales are psychic. That's my explanation. <laughs> <laughs> we got, we got there. Yeah, no, that was, that's good. That's yeah. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't say you didn't learn nothing listening to the Yerky Boys. Cause... I'll try not to bring up a weird conspiracy theory every podcast. <laughs> no, I. I mean, God, what what more do you want? Bestiality, <laughs> LSD. <laughs> it's got everything. It's Aliens. got everything. Echo the dolphin from the video game. From the video game. <laughs> Um, okay. So, so uh, are we, should we stop recording or is there more? <laughs> the book keep going? I think the book's basically over. Uh, there's yeah. a couple more scenes, uh, but moving on, <laughs> Cassie, moving uh, on. can we move on from that? I don't know, but we're going to try. We're going to try. Cassie decides to go. She goes and has a talk with Marco at his Good house God. about him almost dying. Um, she is kind of freaking out because she doesn't want to be responsible. You know, it was her. They all wanted her to make a decision. She doesn't want to be responsible for anybody dying. Um, but Marco has seen on the news that there are now multiple different, um, you know, it's like, oh, there's a treasure uh, hunt for a ship uh, off the coast. And, oh, there's some researchers doing work off the coast. And it's clear this is a bunch of controllers covering for what they're doing. They're going to find the Andalite. So they decide, you know, they have to rescue him before it's too late. So they all decide, they all meet up, all the Animorphs, and they come up with a plan to get out there. They're going to morph seagulls, hop on a ship, take them all the way out to where they know it is, and they're going to go from there. 
Yeah. So yeah, they do. Um, I I like this, you know, this little scene with Cassie and Marco is kind of nice. You get a little window into uh, Marco's shitty life and his deadbeat dad. Yeah, it's pretty stark. The description of his living space. Uh, there's a lot of like visual indicators of his poverty here. Yeah, and even before Cassie says something about that, like because uh, Marco can't afford a ticket to the zoo. Yeah. So they they have to like get him in with a buy two get one free deal or something. <laughs> yeah. Um so that's yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah, and we really see I mean we see his dad's depression here too. It's um because his dad's like sitting in a bathrobe in front of the TV and uh there's it's it's kind of sad cuz Marco kind of he says, "Well, I almost died." So I thought me, me, maybe me and my dad, we were thinking we might do something together today. But like you can kind of tell like they aren't going to his dad's going to sit in front of that TV in the bathroom. That's yeah, I do also happen. relate a lot to Marco's dad. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same. Uh, and, and Marco says I, he, I'm scared all the time now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's very, you know, you get to see it's maybe the first time you really get a glimpse of Marco, not just being a, a cut up. Yeah. Yeah. No, so. Marco, Marco is covering up a uh, deep pain and fear. Uh, and it's, that's the one place I differ from him. <laughs> <laughs> You're just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no explanation for it. Um, and I, I'll, there's a part where they, they make some, some jokes and they describe the laughter as relief laughter. And, we're still alive laughter. Which yeah. I, really, I thought that was really good. Yeah. We're really moving into, cause, cause I, I think PTSD is a running theme of Animorphs that we're starting to see creep in at this point. I don't know how much we've seen before, but we really, we will start to see it. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, the, so they, like you said, they start getting to this plan. I've noticed another common theme in these books is, mm. There's a, there's a part where Tobias says, have our lives gotten really weird or is it just me? Is it, there's a lot of like uh lampshading of the, of the weird factor. Yeah. I yeah feel like... Marco loves the joke where he just describes verbatim what they're doing in way too many <laughs> words. And then says, that sounds weird to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's weird about that? Yeah. It feels a little bit like K.A. Applegate like needs to step back and be like, I know it's weird. <laughs> Don't worry, I know. Just yeah. go with it. Marco would uh, be punchier than that. I don't think he needs because it's always like a full paragraph description, you know. I just right. think he's a better joke teller. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, I do. In contrast to the previous book, I do like this plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I they're using the rest between morphs method. Yes, and that's. I think that's good. I think this is a decent plan yeah and they even say like they don't say it here but later they say they had some islands they had scouted so that when they go back they'll be able to go to the island stop demorph they've got it they, they're figuring it out yeah yeah they're 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 learning to strategize yeah uh but they do they do go through with the plan they fly out as seagulls um they do the whole mine mine obsessing over food thing uh and <laughs> They head out, they land on uh, the container ship, the new Mar, and they morph humans and stowaway on it. Tobias has to fly back because he can't morph. So he's just not going to be here for the climax of this book. He'll just be gone. 
poor, <laughs> poor Tobias. Um, they they get out to about where they think they should be, probably more or less, uh, and they jump off the railing into the water and morph dolphins. Uh, there's a bit of uh, kerfuffle around Marco because he can't swim, uh, and they're trying to figure out how he's going to like morph halfway going over the railing. Cassie has a little bit of a mini meltdown about it because uh, things are already going wrong. But whatever, they they turn into seagulls, they get on this boat, they get to where they're going, and they dive into the water as dolphins and begin searching for this Andalite ship. Yeah. Uh, I can't help but wonder um, if this boat ever got stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, like, that could have been something. Like if a boat stays in a canal for over two hours... It'll get stuck that way. Yeah, I don't. Are we are we doing an evergreen reference or what is what is it's, this? It's the ever given. Oh, ever given is that what it was called? That is what it was called. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember. It's right. okay. You thought it was funny, so we. Can yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought it was funny, and then I was like, wait, now I don't know if he's is that's what he's talking about. Oh, <laughs> because already, it was the world has moved on. Okay, I have. Um, <laughs> that's fair uh so i know i just complimented them for this plan but at the same time i am reading this passage wondering how no one on this ship notices five kids turning in and out of dolphins or whatever at the back of the boat i guess it's a huge ship or something yeah maybe, i mean but... it's a cargo ship they're probably just in among the boxes nobody really has to be there if they're not loading or unloading i don't yeah, know I how the crews on these things work it doesn't seem like they're making any effort to like keep their voices down or anything like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, like probably enough ambient noise. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, and, and we get more about uh, Marco not being able to swim. He says, uh, "Someone, Cassie calls it the situation insane," and Marco says, "Hey, that's my word." Mm. It is. So that's that's pretty fun little Marco um, word yeah and we see you know cassie and her freak out you know in the in the last episode it's it's a little more of the what i was saying back then about jake is sort of the leader not necessarily because uh he makes great decisions but because he's kind of willing to make decisions cassie here it's like well this is the right call but cassie doesn't want to make it because what if somebody dies and then it's her fault right she can't she can't handle it. She can't handle the pressure. Yeah. Jake will take on the responsibility of them dying. Now, Rachel has no problem turning into a dolphin and diving in. Oh, yeah. She's all <laughs> swan diving in. And whatever. Jake and Cassie share a little moment where uh, he's like, oh, Rachel, am I right? And uh, mm -hmm. and Cassie says she's your cousin. Uh, but I, I like her. Yeah, I think maybe Cassie, I, I read it as Cassie being like, Jake, she's your cousin. <laughs> Stop. Uh. Stop. <laughs> um, but in the end, they do all, they, they all, they do it. They, they do it. They get, they turn they into do. dolphins. They get into the water and they uh, swim out. It, it's easier for them to find where they're going when they're dolphins because they have whale instructions, not human instructions. Um, so they see when they get there, they see this helicopter dragging like a sensor line. So they know the Yorks are here too. Um, they dive down and they see the dome ship. So, which is pretty badass, uh, 
thing that we can talk about. It's a, it's an Andalite dome ship. Is it's a spaceship, and they've got the whole environment in it. It's it's like there's a little chunk of world with a big glass dome over it, and they see the Holly dome Shore is in there. That's right. Uh, in this case, uh, there's an Andalite in there, but they they go into the dome, uh, the into the dome through an airlock, and they meet Axe. Our, our last member of the group who immediately knocks them out with his tail blade and holds them at Shredder Point and is suspicious about him. But we meet Axe, Aximili Eskarov Isthil. Uh, <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Which I'm very excited to have him here finally. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I remembered Axe because, you mm-hmm. know, he's in the majority of the books. Uh, but I did not remember that, like, this is how they met him. Mm. I I guess I think maybe I just conflated like the the very beginning of the first book like I just thought maybe he comes down in a ship or something so yeah I did all of this was out of my brain completely so uh, the the dome ship is it's cool it's a cool that's that's a very you know up until now we've seen like blade ships and the what do they call the bug fighters or something fighters yeah (laughs) which are are cool but they're very like at least from the way i'm picturing them they you know they're not that different from like a klingon ship or a like a battlestar galactica ship or something this dome ship is pretty unique i think that feels like a a a different kind of a concept for a a ship so i thought that was cool yeah it's really neat It, it works with like how andalites are um like they're very claustrophobic. They don't like being in like tight, confined spaces. They like their ships to be nice and open. Uh, I think even in their fighters, they I think they have like holographic uh, skies or something they can turn on and off to make themselves feel better. So like if you take the whole military out, and that's the thing, the dome ship is a military ship. This isn't a civilian pleasure cruise, and they still tack this whole park on it. Um, but they they need the mm-hmm. the large area for them to run around in Rome and have kind of a slice of home there. Yeah, they're big Dixie Chicks fans, I bet. Hmm. Because, you know, they're all about wide open spaces. That was beautiful. (laughs) Thanks. They're now known as just the Chicks, by the way. Ah. Is is Dixie considered problematic? That's probably why they changed it, yeah. (laughs) They're probably like, we don't don't want to be associated with this anymore. That makes sense. That makes sense. We get a little slice of what Andalite homeworld looks like. We get a passage. It says, um, there was grass more blue than green, but it still looked like grass. There were trees like huge stems of broccoli and other trees like orange and blue asparagus spears. At the center was a small lake, crystal clear blue water. From the water grew fantastic transparent green crystals in shapes like eccentric snowflakes. Yeah. Just a little taste sounds... of what... Yeah. I love it. It's the great. I want to go there. Andalite homeworld. It's a good. It's a good taste. It's a good taste. How many fingers do andalites have? I think it's seven. Okay. Each hand. There's a part where they use the phrase "many fingered hands." Yes. <laughs> I don't know that I call humans. seven many. <laughs> they could have just said seven. It's too many for a human. <laughs> Cassie looks, does not like it. It's like AI art. 
with the hands. <laughs> right. You get what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, they can't can't quite generate it. Um, yeah. So so yeah. I mean, when we, so yeah. we first meet Axe. I guess we can get into like yeah. his personality and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we also learn that he's Elfangor's brother. So they have to inform him that Elfangor is dead, uh, killed by Visser Three, and we get to see Axe kind of mourn in a way in his uh, strange Andalite fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been like out of the loop, mm-hmm. and I mean, this is exciting because we've, you know, this is our first Andalite since the first book, and it, yeah, it does. Like I was saying in the last book, I was really starting to feel like it's it, it, sometimes the, it was almost frustrating with how just how in the dark these kids are. Like, you, like you just don't they don't know anything. They're just like crawling around, like just desperately trying to grasp onto something they can do to the yurks so now it's like okay we've well, met somebody who kind of knows what's going on even though they actually have to tell him what's going on to some yeah. extent yeah no axe axe is very much a fish out of water but at least he can help help them with all the weird stuff that's going on so that it makes more sense um this is my first introduction to an andalite ever because i hadn't read the first wow. one and i I don't I don't know that we talked about it, but the exposition at the beginning of this book is not it's it's very normal. Right. It doesn't feel as much uh, front loaded uh, as some of the other books are. It's like well distributed throughout. And I don't think she describes the Andalite at the beginning of the book. So this is the first description of mm. an Andalite that I read. Um, wow. Yeah, that's I mean, probably it's, why it's, she probably didn't do it because she knew it came in here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I remember it's, it's a, it's such a great design. I remember I definitely, I tried to, I tried to draw them on multiple occasions. I remember, and I did not do a good job of it. Um, horses, just regular horses are famously like very difficult to draw hmm. or at least, or at least maybe I'm uh, there. At least I know they're very difficult to animate because like the walking animation is hard to get right of a horse. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so so don't feel too bad. Yeah, and speaking again to to the fact that it's you know a young child and teenage audience. I mean, a Twinkie centaur, right? This is designed <laughs> to be a heartthrob for like weird shut-in hyper online teen girls, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> I did Twilight write down. <laughs> I did write down uh, that I think Rachel wants to fuck this Andalite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does think he's cute. <laughs> she she silently mouths he's cute and winks at Cassie. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really weird <laughs> to do for a, an alien horseman. <laughs> Apparently it's not. I, I gotta tell you, I've seen a lot of Andalite thirst around, <laughs> just in general. Sure. Sure, like on the internet today, but if you're like just like two teenagers who see a big weird alien and your first instinct is to be like, hey, what do you think of this guy? Huh? Yeah, the internet I don't today is made up of <laughs> the children from yesterday who read this book. So. <laughs> it all it all started right here. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of we also learn more about some of the terminology, like they have a Darishol tree. A Darish, that's the asparagus one, yeah. Yeah, and um there's also uh what they call Enos Ermarf. Yes, Enos Emarf. It is quote, <laughs> the way the lake curves forward into the grass framed by Darishol trees, unquote. So that's really good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All that yeah. is great. We have this whole long part where they basically, after 
you know, acts as initially suspicious, they gain his trust effectively. And, um, and we just have a whole conversation where he talks about the dome and why he's there and what's going on and uh, gives him some more information about the Yurk. So a lot of stuff happens here or a lot of stuff to talk about here, but not a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, the big thing really is he drops like a couple of bombshells that, mm-hmm. oh, you thought Yurks were scary. Well, they're actually really scary. Right. Because they don't just take over. They then murder all life <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they do the, the like dystopian sci-fi future thing where we kill all animals that aren't meant for like farming and domestication or, or whatever. Uh, they kill everything that they don't need to keep their hosts alive and everything else. They, yeah, they turn it into barren worlds. They're destroyers of life throughout the galaxy. Yeah. So that's, that's rough and that's scary. Yeah. And, um, and uh, this is, you know, acts, Axe is there's the little bit of a shock between meeting because Axe doesn't know what they know or why they know it or who they are. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. I, and then he also reveals that the Andalites may not be returning to earth for one or two years. Yeah. I think he says two years. He says, uh, he says one, maybe okay. two. Okay. okay. So, you know, yeah. And we also find out that Axe is on the dome right now uh, because he is not considered old enough to fight, right? All the right. warriors went out and fought and died, and he had to stay behind in the dome when it crashed. So they don't even actually have an adult Andalite warrior. They just have a sixth kid for their group. Right, yeah. Um, uh, Marco says, you're a kid. I mean, like a young person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that clarification's yeah. about. <laughs> K. Applegate thinks that the word "kid" is slang. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. How do we know? Is our Andalite years different? <laughs> I have he... no idea what Andalite yeah. years look like. We just know he's he's like a youth, but he might be. I don't. How long do Andalites live? Couldn't say. Okay, yeah, that's a, this I is mean, a question for the fans to write in about. Let's just pretend it's exactly the same as humans to make everything easy. <laughs> okay, then he's probably, I, I feel like maybe he's like 15 or 16. I mean, you know, maybe he's a little older than them. Yeah, I mean, he did go out on a military, but Andalites are like pretty militaristic, right? Like they've got, they they care about their mm. warriors and their princes and their rituals. And we, we hear some of this too. Axe asks who their prince is. And uh, they all look to Jake. And so Axe calls him Prince Jake. This is the running gag I was talking about throughout it. Axe will call him Prince Jake and he will say, don't call me Prince. It's nice. Does Axe ever say Ma Jake? He he never says Ma Jake. (laughs) Well, that's too bad. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a funny bit. It is. I mean, now that you say the thing about them being all warriors and stuff, it's actually kind of surprising. I would think that they would like you know, you would become a warrior pretty young in the Andalite mm-hmm. culture, but I guess. Yeah. Well, Axe young. is what's called an Aerith, which is like a warrior cadet. He's, he's not old enough to be a true warrior yet, but he's, he's old enough to go out and train with them. Okay. Got it. All right. Yeah. And I, I think they do say that in here at some point, but they'll say it eventually. Um, and you know, even things like when, um, when it's revealed that Elfangor dies, you can kind of see Axe like 
take this specific pose and ask these questions like, did he die well? You can see there's a sort of like ritualization to their culture that they find very important. Right. Klingon-ish almost. In a sense. Uh, <laughs> they're also though like very in touch with nature and the natural world. Like that's what's up with the Enos Emarf <laughs> thing. Mm. They have... Uh, quote, names for all the many ways the water and sky and field interact and for the way the suns and moons hang in the sky of our planet and cast their lights in one way or another on the different aspects of the world. Feels a little yeah. Tolkien, Tolkienian. Mm -hmm. Perhaps. Tol a little Tolkien elvish. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I seem to recall Axe being like kind of a fun, funny character. Mm -hmm. and, but in this introduction, he's he just kind of feels like a, he's just kind of a dweeb. <laughs> right now <laughs> axe is always a dweeb but he's a fun funny character uh, he's funnier when he's a human but um mm. he's always kind of a dweeb for sure and now as you said in this part not much happens but there's a lot to talk about yeah and i feel like the rest of the book is a lot happens but there's not much to talk about <laughs> yeah that's that's basically what's what's going on here um uh yeah they they basically they get pinged by sonar they say okay we got to run out of here um they all morph axe has previously acquired a shark which they are unhappy about um and they get out while being death charged um they get attacked by a bunch of taxons uh but taxons suck and the animorphs murder them all and it's pretty brutal um then viscer three shows up he's a giant fish monster called a margaret <laughs> um now, this Margaret has a bunch of fishtails on it. It's the size of a small whale, and it makes a wump, wump, wump sound. Uh, <laughs> and he chases them for a while. Uh, now, a lot of things happen here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's some, it's, but, some good, it's some good action scenes. Uh, the swimming taxons are terrifying, but, it's, you know, it's like, as you said, fortunately, they just suck shit at swimming. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're, well, they're good swwimmers. They just can't fight. I don't know I why guess. they keep sending taxons out. Yeah. They clearly, they can go anywhere, but they can't actually. They they say when they ram it, they say the taxon burst like a dropped watermelon. <laughs> so disgusting. Burst. Well, and then, right before that, it was like hitting a soggy paper bag with a sledgehammer. <laughs> what a horrifying description. Just uh, like truly haunting. Uh, like yeah. a watermelon between a buff woman's thighs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it is. It is just like that. It's gross. Uh, we also see here that X can keep track of time. Yes, very convenient. This is mm -hmm. a good a good power for one of them to have. Yeah, now we don't need Tobias with the watch anymore. And X gives it in percentages. He says that we have 30% of our time left and they like convert it to minutes. So we don't know yet if it's exactly two hours. They could be wrong right. in their math. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, I like that. That's mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Axe is also upset that uh, Visser 3 must have acquired the Margaret from one of the Andalite moons. Yes. Yeah, because the that's where the Margaret is native to, is the Andalite moons. Um, and this isn't as crazy as it sounds, because you would think, like, the Andalite probably just acquired it ahead of time, right? <laughs> um, mm, yeah. But uh, we will eventually find out that, for whatever reason, most Andalites just don't 
actually go out acquiring a menagerie of morphs. It's just not really a thing. Um, morphing is yeah. more of like a weirdo thing for spies to do or for artists and not just like, I mean, you you might think, but I, I think Andalites are kind of arrogant. Like, well, of course, you know, we've got our tail blades. We're already the best at fighting. Why do I need all these other things? Um and additionally to this, uh, we don't know this right now, but eventually we will find out that this particular Andalite that Visser, Visser 3 infested, um, that happened like right at the dawn of morphing technology. Okay. So, huh. so there is yeah. some reason to think he might have actually gone there as Visser 3. Okay. Yeah. It's just a thing they can do, but they don't make a big deal out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like if you it's like if you were from a planet where no one could could play music and then you came to earth and you're like oh everybody doesn't learn how to play music yeah it's just like, like yeah you, you can kind of do it but like you know <laughs> wait what? yeah but not really <laughs> um so, yeah. uh, well actually I, I don't know i think this came up in my head earlier uh -huh. but as you're talking about the uh you know sort of how morphing works in a way i had a, i had a question which is if somebody is in an animal morph, can someone else acquire the animal through them? I think we went over this already. Oh, did we? <laughs> and yeah, they can't do it. Doesn't work like that. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Good to know. Yeah. All right. That's no, all. No that's all cheating. I <laughs> uh, <laughs> no cheating. Yeah. Well, they're running away from Visser 3 here. Axe starts panicking and despairing because, uh, you know, Visser 3 killed his brother and Visser 3 is the monster who kills all the Andalites. Um, we, we, and then we actually see Jake solo Cassie the way that uh, Rachel soloed <laughs> Tobias here. Yeah, two solos in a row. That's right. This two is, solos. this is too much. K.A. Applegate, this is too much. Mm-hmm. Two yeah. in a row, yeah. Jake, Jake always said, knew or whatever. Yeah, I, I wanted to tell you or no, sorry. Cassie says, I wanted to tell you. Jake says, yes, me too, Cassie. All right. Yeah. Come on. Guys. If you're, just... you're going to be in life or death situations pretty much once a week from now on for the rest of your lives, you might as well just cut out this shit. Just, yeah. It's time it's gonna to get, just get old. together. <laughs> yeah. Just really make the most of the time you have, please. Yeah. Uh, but they they do end up beating Visser 3. Uh, they're, they're at the end of their stamina when Cassie hears the whale and she calls out for help and the whales come in and beat up Visser 3. Um, and they're not even like all the same whale. Like there's multiple species of whales who all come together to beat up <laughs> Visser 3. And there's almost this like implication that, uh, that maybe like the sea herself called the whales to expel this abomination. It's it feels a little Awa-ish to me. <laughs> I was I was just about to say, Awa has heard you. Yeah, she has. She has. <laughs> I'm loving. This is my favorite episode because of because of the Avatar references and not the bestiality. Right. <laughs> my Awa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's good. I mean, this is a Cassie book, right? All right. The whole we were hmm. fighting for Mother Earth, so that's why it's okay for us to morph these animals. And here come the whales. I mean, Cassie is makes sense that she's into Jake because she's a little bit like Natiri. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> it's extremely true. <laughs> you think James Cameron read Avatar? I, I bet he loves animorphs. I bet he loves it. 
I bet he does too. <laughs> when we get to the heart, he loves Chronicle. the ocean. I mean, he fucking loves the ocean. Mm-hmm. So he would he would be into this book. <laughs> he would be thrilled. Yeah, maybe he'll listen to our uh, podcast and then yeah. then he'll be into it. Probably he needs something to listen to when he's going down and digging through the Titanic or whatever he does. Mm-hmm. Like those controllers said they were doing at the right, the right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so okay, they win. They morph back. Yeah, they win. They morph door. back, and they have to. And this is one of the less smash endings because I feel like in any other book, they those whales would have happened. We'd have had two pages. Yeah, but right. <laughs> here we have to deal with Axe. So Tobias hasn't met Axe yet. So Axe has to meet Tobias. Um, they have to figure out where what they're going to do with him, and they say, well, he can live out in the fields. Uh by in like forest by cassie's farm so he's off there he'll make a little scoop out there and uh he has to get a human morph so axe uh performs what's called a froless maneuver although i don't think they say it here (laughs) where he acquires dna from all of them and he mixes it together (laughs) and he turns into a strange blend of all of them (laughs) and i don't know that we really talk about the ethics of axe morphing this human ever all they like cassie will get very into the ethics of morphing humans later on she'll be like we must never do this but the fact that axe does it is never really questioned it's fine he can be (laughs) he gets a pass yeah yeah this is i don't this is a strange choice but i I, it's kind of cool but it's it feel it's just like he immediately is like i know i'll become a combo of all of you like as if it were the most natural decision. That he he learned make. it in morphing school. I guess they, he did say earlier, like he learned what a Marjorie was in morphing or in, in regular school, but he wasn't really paying attention. So it, <laughs> I did like that. I did like that. He's a, he's a bad student. <laughs> That's yeah. fun. Yeah. And Andalites are a little bit weird about that. They, they have like very traditional gender roles where like girls are supposed to be smart scientists and boys are supposed to be strong warriors. So he was probably too cool to learn good stuff in school. <laughs> yeah. Well, on, on that note, uh, Axe specifically says he ch- chooses to be male when yes. he turns into a human. Yes. Uh, um, I believe what he actually says here is I chose to be, 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 be male. I chose <laughs> male because I am male. Male. Is that a good choice? <laughs> Choice, choice, yes. <laughs> yeah, that is what he says. That's exactly what he says. That is what he says. Uh, You're right. X so... likes to play with his mouth sounds, but yes, he chooses yeah. to be male. He he could have gone either way, and he chose to be male. <laughs> yeah. So so there it is, and we don't really get a. Uh... You know, it's we haven't we don't have time yet to really get into what's going on with Axe now. Where does he live? What does he do? <laughs> but I'm excited to to dig into that in the yeah, next book. We will learn. I mean, yeah, next book we'll find out a bit, and we will get an Axe specific book on book eight. So then we'll really get wow. into to the Axe stuff. But yeah, we get all the funny Axe jokes where he doesn't really understand clothing well. He always plays with his mouth sounds and makes weird noises uh he says humans are a shaky species because we only have two legs and we can't even look behind us without turning our heads yeah. so all the funny little <laughs> it's good stuff i did also i liked you know just like the last book i thought there are some good closing lines in this one mm-hmm. 
um, where Cassie's talking to those dolphins. Yeah, she has a final scene where uh, she sneaks into the dolphin enclosure and turns into a dolphin and swims with them. Yeah, and and she says, they were asking me to play. They were asking me to dance with them. And so I did. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good closing to the book. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's nice. It's fun. There's, it's fun. It's cute. Uh, I, I, I liked this, uh, the plot of this book. I liked that it was, it felt a little more, well, I, I guess, I don't know that I can say it felt more sci-fi. These books have been very sci-fi so far, but I don't know the fact that it was about like psychic messages and stuff. It it kind of it actually I felt it was a little bit Shyamalan-y, to be honest hmm. with you. Like I feel like a a Shyamalan movie would start with like someone getting psychic visions and like people not believing them and or something and they spread. Or I suppose it could be a Stephen King thing too. You know that 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 kind of yeah. maybe supernatural is the word I'm looking for. It, it had a sort of hmm. a slightly different bent to it than the other books so far. I guess I guess with all the psychic stuff yeah, going on. That, that's good because there's plenty of weirdo high concept sci-fi fantasy stuff to come. Uh even in only <laughs> just a couple books things are going to escalate from there. Uh so it's I I'm I'm glad you're enjoying this. I think you're you're going to enjoy where it goes from yeah, here. Yeah, it's already pretty high concept. <laughs> there's or, plenty now yeah. that X is here, we can really dive into that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, and as I said, I'm glad he's here. I like that, you know, you have somebody to give us new lore and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard yeah. for me to objectively assess this one because, you know, like I said, this this is my intro book. This is my first book. But I, I do really appreciate it coming back to it. Um, there's so much in the text that I just think is, I don't know, it's it's more evocative in its language in some ways than the other ones yeah i don't i think the writing in these books is not bad at all yeah i haven't uh i haven't well maybe there's a few times with some like dialogue where i'm like that's a weird way to put that but (laughs) yeah it's always so difficult too because it it, you know we shift as we go from the early books into the ghost written books into the conclusion and uh, once you've spent forever reading all of them, you have impressions that are based off of everything, but are often very backloaded in a way because that's what was more recent. Mm, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Shall I uh, we run through the pop culture quickly? Hey, yeah, let's do it. Um, so a- as you said, there's Magilla the Squirrel. I, mm-hmm. That's sort of a question mark because I don't know if that's a Magilla Gorilla reference, but I, yeah, I don't is know. Is Magilla any other... a name? outside of that it must be like i don't think they made it up but i've never heard it in any other context (laughs) but it's also not a gorilla it's a squirrel so it could just be a coincidence or something i don't know well i wrote it down too so um marco says of course he has dreams about mr rogers and king friday Mm -hmm. as well as baywatch (laughs) yep of course (laughs) which yeah he's a teenager in the 90s he's got dreams about baywatch (laughs) <laughs> that's right and uh that was later changed to sesame street uh, I, kids didn't know mr rogers i guess i guess it wasn't on the air so weird uh, and uh baywatch was just changed to lifeguards like just generic in general yeah. just hot lifeguards huh. that's huh <laughs> um like that. 
uh, Marco, I think, says something about them getting a psychic message message from the Little Mermaid. That was mm-hmm. like his his little joke, which doesn't really make sense. <laughs> the little well, mermaid she's thing. in the ocean, you see. Why didn't right. Cassie ever go mermaid? She's supposed to be so good at morphing. She could have made the dolphin morph pretty. Oh, man. Well, now that really, now you're getting too deep into fetish territory. <laughs> <laughs> Probably they wanted to avoid that. Got to be careful. That's uh, not actually uh, the end of my dolphin sex notes. I have more in here, but I didn't think they were relevant. But they're, anyway. <laughs> we'll wrap the show up with that soon. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's a, a rev- this this one I had to look up because I didn't i wasn't i only realized it was a reference because it was capitalized when marco references the psychic friends yeah psychic friends this was like like a i guess like a miss cleo type of a situation yeah this would have been like a precursor to a miss cleo type situation from like the 90s i don't remember much about it at all but i remember the name yeah, I I didn't know what was going on, but uh, they 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 changed that too to to something later on because mm-hmm. n- nobody knows what the psychic <laughs> friends are. You know, probably uh, nobody knows what the psychic hotline with Miss Cleo is anymore either. That makes me feel old. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, let's see. Okay, Cassie's listening to her Walkman, mm-hmm. so that that's exciting. She doesn't say what she's listening to though. Still, just it's the, probably the latest cassette tape. She's streaming Spotify tape. now. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, they reference Michael Jordan because, you know, it was the 90s. He had to do that. Right. Um, oh, oh, when 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 Tobias is wearing a watch, they say, when did Redtail start wearing Timexes? Yeah. So specific. A Timex watch. A nice, a nice watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to run through these as fast as I can because it's important. It is important. Hit them all. These are important. Yeah. Uh, a couple of a couple of food brands on their seagulls. They mention a jujubee mm-hmm. and half a three musketeers bar mm-hmm. and also going to a dumpster behind McDonald's. Yep. Yeah. No, those seagulls, they love food, little food brains. <laughs> and finally, uh, Marco or somebody asks, didn't you ever see the hunt for Red October? Yeah, which is is in the later edition changed to just. Uh, a great old movie. <laughs> not that old. Not that. Oh, sorry. They do. They do still say the hunt for red October. They just add the word old so that, you know, it's old. <laughs> so you know that you're old. <laughs> well, it's like the Spider-Man thing in uh, civil war when he's like, have you ever seen that old oh, yeah. movie? Star Wars. Uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was also wondering with the references here, uh, they always describe the sharing as like the Boy Scouts, or in this one, Cassie says like the Girl Scouts. I don't True. know if that counts as a... Sure, why not? Sure, whatever we say can count. <laughs> they always do. Oh, but Marco didn't say salad shooters, I guess, because there were no hork in this one. No, they mentioned them a couple times, but we don't see any. Yeah. And no, no Rubbermaid containers either. Yeah, I, I think we're done with the Rubbermaids. I of all the pop culture references, I I was shocked reading this book. You mentioned Echo the Dolphin. They made no reference to Echo the Dolphin. But beyond that, Marco did not make a flipper reference. That's true. That is odd. I and, thought that was yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Yes, that is bizarre. And. <laughs> Even Free Willy, right? There's Free Willy. No, so many whale properties. Strange. 
Yeah, it just it seems like a real missed opportunity. I like I don't know. I feel like Marco would have been on top of that. I think so too. <laughs> but something tells me that Axe might make a good a a good guest on David Letterman. <laughs> just gonna put that out there. <laughs> I think you. I, I, I think you're right. Yeah, where's the Letterman? Come on, Marco. Well, next book's a Marco book, so I'm sure there'll be some Letterman in there. Oh, I'm I can't wait. I'm going to start reading that as soon as we're done. <laughs> First Marco book. God, I feel like book two was also a Marco book, but, <laughs> <laughs> but but this will be even better, I hope. Or maybe it'll be really sad. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's good. Like I said, Marco needs to be done with not uh, wanting to be part of the Animorphs. So they'll 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 make him be done. It's exciting. I'm very excited. Yeah. So your introduction to the world of Animorphs, our our fourth book, we're 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 in the thick of it now. The the gangs together. I feel like we're 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 off. We're off and running. We sure are. Point. Our our podcast is going places. It is. It is. It is. It is. Oh, and we should say also that for people who are listening. You can email us at theyerkyboys at gmail.com if you have answers to any of our questions or if you want to tell us how stupid we are or what we're wrong about or your experiences with dolphin sex websites. Uh, we will definitely read them on the air if you if you write in. That would be pretty, pretty good. Um, and uh, if people want to follow us outside of this podcast, I don't know why you would after this episode, but... <laughs> Um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Quince, and I'll also this week plug the other podcast I started. What? <laughs> which is called Geeks on Trial, which is very different from this one. It's about uh, geeks and they're on trial. Uh, it's it's me and another guy. It's so uh, it's, it's another me. it's another white male that I host with. And uh, you can you can look that up on your podcast platform of choice or YouTube geeks on trial. That one's got there's no YouTube version of this podcast because we wouldn't allow that. But Right. I don't want to be seen. That's my plugs this week. Yep. Uh, and me, you can follow on Twitter at Dog Times McGee. If you mostly just want to see me like and retweet equally upsetting stuff as all the dolphin sex things that I was saying here. <laughs> and who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to see that? Well, another one in the books, baby. Another one in the books. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Tune in next time where we'll be discussing book five, The Predator, in which Marco turns into a gorilla on the Yerky Boys. Yerky Boys.